The sermon preached at St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church of Hancock, Minnesota, a member of the Wells, on November 23, 2014, based on Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 16, verse 23 and 24. The first lesson, Ezekiel 34, selected verses, which will also serve as the sermon text, is a prophecy of how Jesus, from the family line of David, will be our shepherd that he will tend us and take care of us. For he is the prince, he is the king, who has purchased us to be his very own people, the sheep of the Lord's pasture. Ezekiel 34. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them, As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of our Lord. Please stand. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word from God through which the Holy Spirit shows us our shepherd king so that we may worship him is Ezekiel chapter 34, the verses from the first lesson. Please listen again to the concluding verse. I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23 begins. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, Jesus declared. And you have known from little on up that Jesus is your shepherd. What a profound thought that is. And these words from Ezekiel 34 help us appreciate just how important that truth is. Jesus is your shepherd. 
Now, who do you think an Old Testament believer would say was their shepherd? How do you think they would answer the question, who is your shepherd? My guess would be they they would refer to Psalm 23 and say, the Lord God, he is my shepherd. And these first six verses from the text reinforce that point. In these first six verses here, the Lord God himself emphatically declares that he himself personally will shepherd his people. Just just glance at how often the Lord says, I, or even I, myself. And the original Hebrew is even more emphatic than we can express in idiomatic English. And yet, after the Lord God makes that so clear, emphatically insisting that he himself personally will shepherd the sheep. Then he goes on and says, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. How can both be true? How can both the Lord God himself personally shepherd the people and then say that the one shepherd will be his servant, referred to as David here. What a marvel this must have been for the Old Testament believers, something so far beyond their understanding. Yes, they would have seen that this David was referring to David's greater son that was coming, the Messiah, but but, but how? How would this all work out? Only faith could grasp that the Lord would be speaking the truth, even though our human wisdom cannot make them meld together. And even as New Testament believers, even though we have seen how the Lord has fulfilled what he has said here, even we still cannot understand. Without faith at all sounds like foolishness, doesn't it? Yeah, so we know how the Lord has fulfilled these, these words. For you know, that Mary and Joseph were of the house and line of David. They were David's descendants. And that Mary, as a virgin, gave birth to a son, to Jesus. So that Jesus is of the family line of King David, biologically through his mother Mary, and legally through Mary's husband Joseph. For Jesus had no human father. And how this all worked out, we we go back nine months earlier And we listen to the angel Gabriel as he tells Mary that the child to be born from her will be the Son of the Most High. Yes, this child will be the Lord God, the eternal Son of the Father, come to this earth. And yet the angel also said he will have the throne of his father, his ancestor, David. And so we see that Jesus is both. He is both the Lord God and He is the Lord's servant, David's descendant. And so only in Jesus can these words be true, that the Lord God himself will shepherd the people and that the Lord's servant, referred to as David, will shepherd them. And yet there will only be one shepherd, for Jesus is both. What a marvel. A marvel that we celebrate every Christmas. And so as we look to Jesus as our our prince, our king, our shepherd, as we look to him as the Lord God who became one of us, 
to take care of his sheep. We focus on this theme here today. Jesus, our divine king, shepherds us. He shepherds us with his searching love, that's part one. And he shepherds us with his lavish love, part two. First of all, listen and and note how the Lord's searching love is described. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As the shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And then a little later, I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. Scattered, lost, strays. How aptly those words described us. Sin had scattered us. For you see, sin not only separates us from God, but also from one another. Just think back to the first sin. Adam and Eve not only ran away from God, but they also blamed each other. Separation. And so also uh, the resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness, if we let that build up in our hearts, that separates us, drives us away not only from the shepherd, but from, from our fellow sheep as well. And we may not always see it that way. When we feel scattered, when we feel left alone and isolated, it's it's often easy to blame the others, the other sheep that have wronged us in some way. And there can be some truth in that because we do sin against each other. And yet, we fail to see the full extent of our own fault, that our own anger and and unforgiving attitude is building up that barrier, scattering us leaving us isolated, alone. Yes, how lost sin left us. And and, and lost doesn't simply mean taking a wrong turn so that while you're a block away and now you're going to be running a few minutes late. No, the word for lost means on the verge of perishing. You took a wrong turn into a war zone with bullets flying all around. Or think of a lost sheep. It's not going to last for long before a wolf or a lion tears it apart. And you know the power of that roaring lion who prowls around ready to devour you and me. And yet, maybe of those three words, the saddest of all is that word, strays. After we have known the love of the shepherd, after he has gathered us who were scattered and found us who were lost, how apt we still are to stray. We take his love for granted. We fail to listen to his voice, neglecting regular worship as we gather together as a flock, neglecting to listen to his voice in our private devotions as we take to heart his word. We fail to bear our crosses patiently. Instead, we complain 
And even all the other problems and troubles in life just lead us to, to run after other things that make us feel better, things that we think are appealing or look good in our eyes. What wretched sheep we are, scattered, lost, straying. But his searching love came for us nonetheless. What amazing love. What great love that searched for us. To search for us, he himself came. The Lord God, the eternal Son of the Father, came. He came from that heavenly glory, his his heavenly throne at the Father's side. And he humbled himself to that lowly birth, laid in a lowly manger, for he came searching for lowly sinners. What searching love, searching for the law, searching for you and me. Think of what he said to Zacchaeus. The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. He came to search for you and me. What love. And this was not just a search mission. This was a search and rescue. Remember what he said to Zacchaeus. He came to seek and to save. And the way, the only way to rescue sinners like us was to lay down his life. Yes, the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. That's how he rescued us. No matter how dark and gloomy, no matter how, how stormy or cloudy, he penetrated the very thickest of darkness. He penetrated even death itself. He lowered himself into the miry pit of our sinfulness. He covered himself with our filth. He died your death and mine, suffering the punishment we rightly deserved. What searching love that not only searched us out but rescued us. He died on that cross for you, dear friend, for you. For he came to rescue you. What searching love. And as we think of that love, It's not just something confined to years ago when Jesus came to this earth and walked and died and then rose. His love searched for you, dear Christian, for you personally, and he found you. He found you and made you his lamb when he gave you rebirth through the water and word of baptism. His searching love found you and placed you on his shoulder and brought you into his flock. He is your king. He is your shepherd. For his searching love has found you. What great love. And now that his searching love has has come, has rescued, and has found you, that doesn't mean his love is at an end. No, Jesus, your divine king, shepherds you and me. He shepherds us with his lavish love. Yes, he still lavishes his love on us. 
And that's what we want to look at in the second part. First of all, see how that lavish love is pictured in, in, in the text here from Ezekiel. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak The sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As he describes his lavish love here, it really brings to mind uh, Psalm 23 again, doesn't it? The green pastures and quiet waters as he talks about the rich pastures and the good grazing land. And yet, did you notice where those good pastures were? He talks about them on the mountain heights, in the ravines and in the settlements. That's not what I would think of or picture. When I hear of green pastures, I think of rolling meadows or open prairies. The Lord's lavish love works in ways that we would never guess or imagine on our own. In fact, often His lavish love is not there for human wisdom or insight to see. His lavish love, or he lavishes his love on us in ways and in places we would never guess, at least not by our human way of thinking. You see, he feeds our souls, he feeds our faith, and it gives us divine wisdom and discernment through the words of a book that human wisdom says is nothing more than ancient myths from long ago or, or that it's a collection that's so confusing that no one can really know what it says. And he brings his rich promise of forgiveness to us with what looks like ordinary bread and wine through which we eat his body and drink his blood. No ordinary meal. Just as I would never think of looking for green pastures on mountain heights. So also the world would never look for salvation from the Bible or from the Lord's Supper. That's how the Lord lavishes his love on us in ways that human wisdom would never imagine. Or think about our own daily lives. Often when we feel his love the least, He is lavishing it on us the most. Think of the picture here in those words, I will bind up the injured. A broken leg is painful, but the shepherd needs to cause even more pain for that sheep in order to set the leg before it can begin to heal. And so also in our lives, through the heartbreaks, through the shattered dreams, through the aches and pains and sorrows, through the failed hopes, through the heavy crosses, he's lavishing his love on us. And where are our, our feeble understanding and really struggles is that often his lavish love 
needs to make our hurt worse. Just like setting that broken leg makes the pain more greater before the healing can begin. And so even in the worst, trust your shepherd. Trust his lavish love. For he has laid down his life for you. And he certainly is at work in ways that we cannot imagine to strengthen us, his flock. For he strengthens the weak, it says here. He strengthens the weak. Those who imagine that they are strong and healthy, those are the ones who are in real danger. For the Lord says, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. For you see, the sleek and the strong imagine that they don't need the shepherd. Oh, they'll keep the shepherd around because, you know, sheep should have a shepherd. That's just the way things are. It wouldn't look right if there wasn't a shepherd. And maybe he'll come in handy if the wolf ever shows up. But as long as they're able to feed, as long as they're able to fill their stomachs, the shepherd is secondary. And we so easily slip into that thinking. But the shepherd strengthens the weak. For when we are weak, then we are not relying on our own strength. When we are weak, then we are not focused on our own activity. When we are weak, then we are, are, are not relying or trusting in the rightness of our own position. For when we are weak, then we rely on his strength. For he is our king. He is our mighty monarch. He is our God and Savior. When we are weak, we focus on his activity He has conquered sin and Satan, death and death for us. He has rescued us from the devil's jaws. And he now reigns over all things for us, his flock. Yes, dear friends, when we are weak, then we trust his righteousness. For he alone has brought us into a right relationship with God so that the Lord is our God and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. What a king our shepherd is. What searching love. What lavish love. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.